Welcome to Life in Ministry. I'm your host, Kyle Maddox, and I'm so thankful to be joining you today. And I'm sharing with you our most recent Life in Ministry live session with Reverend Scott Graham, the General Secretary of the United Pentecostal Church International. And he shared with us on servanthood. And my God, did we have a word from God. And we received such an impartation. Great discussion. Thank you to those that were able to join us live. But we're sharing with you the recording at this time, and we're just so thankful to be able to do that. But if you'd feel to the sponsor life and ministry and what God has called us to do, we would be most thankful to receive anything that God lays on your heart. And this is just going to help us continue doing what God has called us to do. And uh, we do have Cash App available, and you can do so by sending it to Money Sign Life and Ministry. Again, Cash App Money Sign Life and Ministry. We also are able to receive check and money orders made out to Life and Ministry, and you can email us at lifeandministry777 at gmail.com for our address to be able to send that to us. And then finally, we do also offer PayPal with the at sign lifeandministry777. Again, we're so thankful for any support that you are able to give us and God lays on your heart, and we pray that this episode with Reverend Scott Graham on Servanthood blesses you. In Jesus Thank you all name. again for being with us tonight, and uh, most everyone, if not everyone on this call, knows our guest speaker, or knows of him at least, and uh, Brother Scott Graham is uh, currently serving as our General Secretary Treasurer of the United Pentecostal Church, and uh, as I stated just a moment ago, I've had him once before, and if you haven't heard this episode, I'd encourage you to go back. He talked to us about when God hands you a different tool belt. That session was incredible. And we're so thankful that he's uh, agreed to be with us again. And for some of us, we know him as Uncle Scotty. Hey. Um, <laughs> and uh, from his youth president days. And uh, But Brother Graham, I'm so thankful that you're here with us tonight. And those of you that are familiar with the UPCI know that we are in the middle of general conference season, which means Brother Graham is extremely busy. He's already busy. But he's extremely busy in the season. And just, Brother Graham, you sitting down with us tonight, taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us. I'm so thankful. And so I would like you to just greet our audience tonight and then to give your support of what we're doing here at Life and Ministry. And I'll come back and discuss what we're going to be talking about tonight. Thank you again, Brother Graham, for being with us. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm delighted to be with you. Yes, you can spot a, a certain generation of adults now who know me as Uncle Scotty. Um I used to use that phrase a lot when preaching to teenagers uh, until I got a little older and I had a, a, a youth president whose son said to me, he kind of looked at me with that funny look and he said, you're a little old to be my uncle. I think it's more like Grandpa Graham. And I said, that was unnecessary. There was no reason to have to make that comment. But uh, no, I'm delighted to be with you. Uh, I think these connections uh, have are good for us um, to have connections with one another, uh, to share are the, the, the pressures and the challenges of ministry, the, the victories, and just to have one another is, is really key. And so these are these are good good opportunities, and I'm, I'm delighted to come spend a little time tonight. Awesome. Well, Brother Graham, again, thank you for being with us. And again, not to reiterate, but I know how busy you are, and just especially right now, you're extremely busy getting ready for conference, and we'll look forward to seeing you in just a few weeks. Um, but we're going to be talking tonight, Brother Graham's going to be talking tonight about servanthood. It's such an incredible topic to help us to be successful in our life and in our ministry. And for those that are new with us tonight, just to give you a heads up, so Brother Graham will be sharing with us maybe about 15 minutes or so, and then we'll open it up for questions. And so all of your mics are muted currently. 
And so once Brother Graham is finished and him or I will open it up for questions, um, you can unmute your mic and then let Brother Graham know who you are and where you serve. And uh, we'll be happy to open up for questions. And then after the questions, we'll just have some closing remarks and a couple of announcements. But again, Brother Graham, thank you so much for being with us tonight. I want you to take your liberty and uh, just let God use you tonight. Speak to us from your heart. Thank you. Um, so, you know, we start with the foundation that this book is true. We, I don't think I have to spend any time proving that or establishing that among us. That word is true. It's unchanging. Um, we get that. And thank God for that. But the world and our lenses through which we read the Word of God changed significantly through the centuries that the Word has, has been with us. Um, culture, just the world we live in, has changed so much. Uh, you know, I, I marvel at just, you know, I'm, I'm 58 years old. I marvel at how much the world has changed the last 25 years. Uh, just, yes, I mean, culturally in terms of the immorality of our world, certainly, but just just everything from microwave ovens to, to computers to, you know, all that, the ability to do this. Uh, we couldn't have dreamed of this, you know, 15 years ago. Um, so the world just shifts so quickly in, in these 20, 25 years that I, you know, when I think of those, and then you start magnifying that and think about a thousand years of the dark ages and, and the world we live in is just so vastly different. And that has an effect sometimes in how we read certain verses of scripture. Uh, this topic of servanthood, I think, is one of those. For this reason, we don't we don't really understand this idea of being in the in the in the like cultural sense, being a someone's servant. Uh, you know, the 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 era of slavery in our in our culture is a stain on our national fabric, and thank God that uh, you know we we came better to to be able to exemplify that all men are created equal thing and and did away with that abomination. And so today, there's a there's a there's a moral and ethical, uh, just horrific something that grips us. The idea of someone owning someone else, we, we, that's that's abominable to us, and rightly so. Um, but in the days of Jesus, uh, this was a common thing. Um, now, chattel slavery was not as common. Uh, but men were servants for, for multiple reasons. You could be servant for a debt you couldn't repay. You owed someone money and you couldn't pay it. So you could be taken into indentured servitude for that reason. You could be uh, you could be a slave by military conquest. You conquer a foreign land and you you gather those people and, and you know you put them into servant to servant. So things like that. My point of all that is to say that when Jesus addressed his audience, this concept of someone owning someone else was not a foreign thing to them. And it wasn't even particularly, you know, an abominable wickedness in that culture. So it makes certain passages a little harder for us to grasp. I'm going to read tonight what I think is one of the really difficult passages of Scripture for us to conceptualize. And it's found in Luke 17 and verse 7, and the seven verses 7 through 10. And here's what it says. But which of you, Jesus poses this question, he said, which of you, having a servant who's plowing or feeding cattle, will say to him by and by when he has come in from the field, go and sit down to meet, and will not rather say unto him, make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. That's an old English, I don't think so. 
so likewise ye, when you have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. Boy, that's a hard passage because it's, it's, it's so conceptually foreign to us to think about somebody. Let's just let's let's put this in perspective. This guy has been out in the field all day, working, sweating, laboring, following behind the stinking animals. You know, busting the ground up, working on your crops and 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 for no benefit of his own. He gets nothing for this. If the crops come in richly, he doesn't benefit. You benefit. Everything he's done that day has been for your good. And he finally comes trudging up the path, weary, long day of labor, walks in the house. And Jesus says, now, which one of you is going to look at that guy and say, hey, dude, go sit down and have something to eat. Open the fridge, whatever you can find. It's all yours. He says, you're not going to do that. You're going to look at this same guy that has just labored all day for you. And you're going to say to him, hey, man, get cleaned up, fix me something to eat. Now, that's that's hard for us to grasp because we would feel like we were being a jerk if some guy came over to your house and just said, hey, man, I want to do yard work for you all day. And if you don't want him, send him to my place. But if he's been out working in my yard all day for no benefit, and then he comes to my door at supper time, what kind of jerk am I going to be to look at him and go, oh, no, no, don't sit down. Go in the kitchen, give me something to eat. Wash your hands first. That's we can't grasp that because we're we think toward in the realm of guests and hospitality, and Jesus is talking about servants, and he he just presents that as the norm for how servants are treated. Um, and then and then he says, and and when he then he goes with all of his weariness, and he goes and gets your dinner, and brings you dinner, and then Jesus says, no, which one of you is going to say thank you? I mean, he asked that like it's a silly question. Who's going to thank him for doing what he was obligated to do? Wow. Now, Jesus then turns the light toward us and says, now, when you've done all that you were required to do, the only proper response is, I'm an unprofitable servant. Now, this is not meant to be a, a you know, a, 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 a like self-esteem destruction time, but it is meant for us to look at this idea of we are servants of God. As abominable as it is for us to think about someone owning another person, God does own us. Yes, he's my friend. Thank God for that. And there'll be times that he when I need someone close to me and he's there and thank God that he, he's my father. Thank God for one who corrects and guides and he's my shepherd. He protects and he nourishes and all those things are true, but he's also my master. He owns me. He bought me at the price of his own blood and redeemed me out of hell's hand. And now I am not my own. I'm bought with a price. That's a, just a hard concept to grasp that when I'm weary and I've done everything for him and then he wants something more from me and there's an inherent tendency or I say tendency there's at least a, an inherent weakness for us to tend to respond to that say I've I've given enough I've done a lot more than so and so I've been working all day behind that plow 
and and it's my turn to sit and get something. And the master instead says, no, 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 no. I want you to wait on me. I want you to lavish some worship on me. I want you to offer some praise to me. I want you to offer faithfulness to me. And, and there's a danger of kind of having that attitude that says, you know, I've done a lot already. To which God says, yeah, but I own you. It's, it's, a, it's a concept that's a little difficult for us to grasp because we don't experience it in our human relationships. Um, I was at an Idaho district conference one time uh, preaching there, and, and the other speaker was Jerry Holt, uh, who was uh, formerly the superintendent out there. I cannot honestly tell you I remember the entirety of his message, but I can tell you I got so captivated by one statement he made that I, I froze, I wrote it down in the back of my Bible, I, I almost couldn't continue on his line of thought because I kept pondering this. Man, he made a statement that hit me right between the eyes. He, he said this, he said, you never really know if you have a servant's heart until somebody treats you like one. Oh my goodness. That phrase, just that, it just worked me over. I mean, it's easy for me to say, oh, I'm a servant. I have a servant's heart. You know, I, I, I went to foot washing service last year. I have a servant's heart. It's when someone treats me like one that I find out if I have a servant's heart. When I do whatever it is I do for God's kingdom, and it's seemingly unappreciated by the other members of the church, then I find out if I have a servant's heart. When I do my best and then I'm criticized for something I did, I find out if I have a servant's heart. Um, I find out if I've really crucified my ego and my pride and my 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 jealousy and my selfishness. I find out if those things are really dead or if they're just playing possum a little bit. If I've managed to get them to lay down for a while so I'll look good to people. Um, I, that, that, that phrase really works on me because Jesus says when you've done all you're commanded to do. Now that phrase, that rolls off your tongue pretty easy until you start thinking about what that means. When I've done everything he commanded me to do. So that would be turn the, a whole turn the other cheek thing. That would, that, that, that would be the forgive 70 times seven things. That would be all those verses that I wish weren't in the Bible. You know, all those ones, I, it, it, the, it'd be a lot easier, this whole living for God thing, if he just left certain verses out. But that whole thing about took your coat, gave your cloak also, when I've done that one, when I've done that whole go the second mile thing, when I've forgiven, when I've blessed those that, that curse me and pray for those that despitefully use me, when I've done all those things, Jesus says, I'm to look at him and go, oh, well, that doesn't make me great. I don't, I don't get the servant of the year award. I don't, I don't get, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't deserve a pat on the back from Jesus for doing the things he commanded me to do because I'm just a servant. I'm just an unprofitable servant. When I've done, when I look at what God commands me to do, and I try to do that at, as, as a minimum, I try to just tick off the boxes I'm required to do. Jesus says, when I do that, I'm just I'm just an unprofitable servant because I've done the things I'm required to do. I do want the Lord to help me um, get into that, try to crucify this flesh and all the desires of it, so that so that when I recognize that He's purchased me and He's redeemed me, and He has the right to do anything with me He wants to do, and if that's roll me out of bed at three o'clock to 
intercede for some missionary across the world, that's okay. If he demands my emotions and demands me to stop spending spending my emotional energy on other things here, that's all right. If he wants my health, he has that right too. Just ask Job. Um, if he wants my money, it was never mine in the first place. Um, and lest I ever feel he's being unfair, man, I got to take a trip back and see a cross and realize what he paid for me. And when I do that, then all of a sudden, uh, it's a little easier for me to understand this thing about about being a servant. I'm, I don't have it down. I don't have it down. I, I, I'm afraid sometimes I still expect too many thank yous. And Jesus says, man, that guy's been working all day. And then you ask him to do something else. <laughs> it just kills me. Now, who's going to tell him thanks? Well, we kind of go, well, I would. But that's because we're not used to owning someone. I guess what I'm saying is that if Jesus gives me a thank you, if I get a pat on the back, if I get a blessing, if God rewards me somehow, that's wonderful. And thank God. But I can't do what I do with the expectation that I'm going to get a plaque or I'm going to get an award or I'm going to get some kind of... Jesus will sort all that out one day. Stars and crowns will all be taken care of on that day. And you know why I think he's able to do that on that day? Because then we know what to do with them. We take our crowns off and throw them at his feet. On that day, we'll know how to handle crowns. I'm not sure we entirely know how to handle them right now. And so, I don't know, just stuff I'm pondering. That's not a very cohesive thing, but just... I just want to go beyond this area. What do I have to do? I just, I want to live like I'm his. And um, that's, that's a tough one. That's a tough one because, because we, we tend to think, well, if I do all that, somebody better tell me thanks. And Jesus says, well, I'd tell you thanks. If it weren't for one little thing, I bought you. You're not your own. And I get the right to demand whatever I will of you. I told our church when I was pastoring, you know, I'm, I don't pastor anymore. Of course, the position I'm in doesn't allow me to. I've, I've told folks I'm a recovering pastor. And uh, I, I, uh, but I told the church that was so gracious to call me pastor for those years that I told them more than once that one of the great differences between God and us is God never thinks he's us. But we kind of sometimes think we're him. And, and when I recognize his sovereignty and how great he is and who I am, um, I'm his child. He loves me. I'm grateful for all that. But I have to keep in my mind, in my perspective, he is my, he is my Savior. He's also my Lord. And I've got nothing to complain about. Nothing. No matter what he puts me, no matter what he asks me to do, no matter what road I journey. And I can't even compare what he asks me to do to what he asks you to do. Simon Peter tried that. Well, what about him? Is he going to have to die for you? Well, what, what is that to you? If, if, if he stays until I come back, that's not that's it, that's his business. That's not you and me. So when the Lord asks something of me, demands something of me, requires something of me, puts me through a valley that I don't like, I journey down some road that I didn't pick, uh, I go through the slings and arrows of whatever, I give my best in the kingdom and I suffer for it. I Whatever those roads look like, you just kind of have to remind yourself, well, that's him, him asking me to make him a sandwich after I've already worked all day. That's what servants do, whatever the master ordains, whatever he says. And and they don't hand him the sandwich with that expectant look, thinking they're going to get a thank you. We don't deserve thank yous for obedience. We're blessed, and the blessings of God are rich, and I'm not minimizing that. 
I can't. Okay, I'll leave with this. I'm not a servant if I expect to be rewarded. If I'm doing what I do as a means to be blessed, then I'm not a servant. I'm a servant if I do what I do because he has already blessed me. He's already purchased me, already his. And now he has the right to dictate my steps and order, me, order, order where I go and what I do. It's a tough passage. I encourage you to read it and ponder it a little bit because it doesn't fit very well into our, our mode of operation. And yet Jesus gives that glaring example of this guy that's worked all day. And before he gets a bite, you know, the master has been sitting around on the porch all day. But he says, eh, fix me something first. That awkward thing of how we wouldn't, we feel like we would never do that. That's because we're not a master, but we are called to be a servant. So just some things I've been pondering. I hope some of that will resonate with you a little bit. Awesome. Brother Graham, thank you so much. And it's, it's one of those subjects that uh, we got to have it, you know, uh, under control, if you will, because yeah. if not, it can, it can make or break us because we're, we're, we can, we can all do serving. We can all serve somewhere. And, uh, and I've told you this before, and I know you, I, I know you love accolades, but that's one thing I've, I've, I've so much appreciated about you. And especially moving into this position that you are, is that you've always continued to be yourself. You're, you, you've always been a servant. You're always looking to serve people. And, uh, you've definitely done a great job tonight and it's definitely a subject that we all need. And so I thank you so much for it. Well, you're very kind. Thank you. And so at this time, um, if anyone has a question or questions uh, for Brother Graham, we'd love to have you answer them or ask them. And um, if, if it's a, pertaining to the subject, uh, great. But if not, I'm sure Brother Graham wouldn't mind, as depending on what it is. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, but as long as it's so we're going to open it up at this time. So, again, just unmute your mic. Let Brother Graham know who you are and where you serve and to go ahead and ask your question. <coughs> I apologize for the lung tissue. I'm trying to, uh, I've been hacking up lung tissue for about a week. I'm not sick. I don't feel bad, but boy, I've, I've had this happen. So I apologize. I can't hit the mute button fast enough to spare you the, the my woes. No problem at all. Anyone have a question for Brother Graham? <laughs> well. Don't be bashful. We all start off. Go ahead, Brother Beavers. Archie Beavers from Jacks, uh, pastoring in Jacksonville, Illinois. Good evening, Brother Graham. Oh, really? I know where that is. Yes, you do. Yeah. We're not too far apart. Wow. Uh, so, um, if you could just explain, I know servanthood is something that has to be birthed inside of somebody. You know, it comes from a very, it should come from a very deep place of that love, worship that sort of thing to you very much of who you are. Um, but how did, how did that develop in your life um, over the years to greater depths? Well, I hope it has. I'm, it's, it's, a, it's a little awkward to say, yes, let me tell you how I'm such a great servant. Uh, well, you know, it's kind, of, it's kind of that old thing about the, the, well, they talk about the humble button, you know, they gave that guy a humble button and then they took it away because he wore it. Um, so it's, it's a little awkward, but you know, I, I've been, it's the nature of, of just the ministry path God's taken me on. I have, I have frequently been in, in subordinate roles, um, youth pastor, assistant pastor, uh, you know, district secretary, 
uh, youth secretary, now secretary in this, you know, serving Brother Bernard. So there have been numerous times in my life that that I've um, I've been in these in these kind of subordinate roles. But it's it, to me, the tougher thing is not the the organizational uh, positions. Um, I, I went to three men when I became. When I became the promotions director for the youth department, yay, these many years ago, with Brian Kinsey and Nathan Reaver, that was the, the team we had there at that time. When Brian, when Brother Kinsey asked me to come and serve in that capacity, um, my pastor talked to me about it a little bit, you know, and just said, you know, you're going to, you're going to be thrust into kind of notoriety and, and I hate to say fame, but you know what I mean? Uh, you're going to be recognized everywhere. You're going to travel around the country and all this stuff. You're going to be on a lot of platforms. And his his counsel to me was, that's all fine. That's all great. I'm glad for you. But when we have a work day at church, you better be there. Um, and I purpose I would uh, for any number of reasons. First of all, certainly because it, it, I need that. But I, I was raising kids. They needed to see that in me. Um. So I went to three people, three men, in a, with my pastor's blessing. Uh, I went to three individuals that were all about, oh, you know, probably I have never run the numbers, but on average, they were probably about 12, 15 years older than me. And I just went to them and I said, I want you to watch me. Keep an eye on me. And if you ever see me acting like I'm all that in a bag of chips, you ever see me acting like I really think I'm that important, I want you to come kick me in the hind end as hard as you have to, to get my attention. You have my permission. I told all three of these men, you have my permission to call my pastor anytime and ask him while I was at the youth division, you know, I'm traveling over. Was Scott in church Wednesday night? Was he at prayer meeting Monday night? Was, was he at the, you know, was he, when you, when you had your last work day, was he there? Um, and if he says no, now I may have a perfectly good explanation. I may have been off preaching camp somewhere or something, but but you've got the right to call me on that. And then, and they did, uh, but that was good for me. I just think it, it, there's it's intentional. You've just got to be willing. It's it's an intentional choice. I will serve. I will not. You know that verse about man should not think more highly of himself than he ought. Um. I've tried to live that. I'm not suggesting I got it down. Here's what's dangerous. Here, here's what. There is a difference, my brothers and sisters, between serving and being a servant. Okay, and here, here's my glimpse into that. Two men used a towel and a basin within 24 hours of each other. Jesus and Pilate. Jesus did it to serve others. Pilate did it to serve himself. Same thing, towel in a basin. You can do the same thing that someone else is doing and be doing it for your own benefit instead of someone else's. You're not, you're not a servant. I'm not a servant in those moments. If I do it so that you'll think good of me, if I do it so I'll gain points with somebody, if I do that so that somebody will see me and 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 compliment me or, you know, I'm not a servant. I may be serving, but it's not, it's, it's, I'm not a servant. Um, the position I'm in now is really weird. 
uh, from this standpoint, I can be at some church and, you know, preaching an anniversary service or whatever. And after service, they've served food and, and, and people are putting chairs away. And if I try to grab a chair, people go nuts. Oh, no, 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 you can't do that. I'm like, yes, I can. Uh, because the first day that I'm too good for that, then I didn't deserve to preach the service. So I, I just think having people in your life that can kind of hold your feet to the fire on that, uh, that can ex that can watch you, and then some self-examination of your motives. Um, ministry affords us praise and accolades and things, and that's a trap. That's dangerous. That's dangerous. I, I'm a little off, off, off topic here, but let me just share something that really helped me. Um, one of the really cool things that 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 serving as I have has afforded me, I make no bones about this, is I've been very blessed to have positions that have allowed me to meet a lot of really amazing people. Um, and and I don't know, I'm, I'm probably older than all of you, but I don't know how many of you knew, or maybe you'll at least remember the name of Jesse Williams in North Carolina. Well, the Williams is our assistant general superintendent for the Eastern Zone for many years. I just, I don't have words to tell you how highly I thought of this man, that he was a Christian in every way I can, I can define that word. I went to him one time after I was in this, in the youth division, was traveling and preaching. And, and I just, I asked him, I said, you know, every place I go now, everything I do, it's oh brother Graham. And I, you know, and I said, how do you keep that in check? How do you not let those moments mess you up? He told me something that I, man, he said, he said, Brother Graham, when I get done preaching, as I'm leaving the church, leaving the venue, or of course, he preached camps, conferences, all kinds of stuff. So wherever it is, if it's in my home, he pastored in Fayetteville, North Carolina, a pastor in my church, I pastor, or wherever I am. He said, you know, people stop you and they tell you what a great job you did, how much, you know, the message and all that. He said, I gather all those up. And he said, when I get to my hotel room, or I get back to my house or, you know, to wherever he is. He said, when I get back, he said, when I get back to my hotel room before I take a shower, before I do anything, he said, I drop down beside my bed for a moment. And I say, God, those sweet people in that church really think you did a good job tonight, but they couldn't see you to tell you. So they told me. So I saved all these up and I brought them here to tell you how great you did how wonderful you are. And all those people thought that they just told me about it. And he said, and I leave them there. And then I go do whatever, man, I'm telling you folks that I've tried to do that for years because I understand why we do it. I understand this is, I, I know how it works, but I just, I don't want that in my head. I don't want to get caught up with that. I'm a servant. I've got to be, you do too. We all do. And so, I don't know, that's a rambling answer for the beavers to your question, but just, I think, being intentional, laying that mess down and dying out to it, um, having some people that can hold you accountable in areas and watch you and kind of gauge your attitude and your spirit and somebody that you're willing to let, you know, kick you if you if you start if you start demonstrating that you're not a servant. Those are just some things I've tried to I've tried to have in my life. I don't know. I don't I don't have this topic down. It's just it works on me. Awesome. Good deal. Thank you for that, Brother Graham. And uh, Brother Morales, I think I've seen you unmute your mic. Praise the Lord. Nathan Morales, Praise. pastor in 
the metropolis of Morton, Mississippi. Morton. That's been good to us. Where is that? That is uh, about 20 miles east of Jackson, right on I-20. Okay. Just a little chicken town, you know, with the factory. I was, just, I was just in Brookhaven a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, not too far from Brookhaven. Not about too an far hour. From yeah. Or less, you know, then I had a highway patrol list that day. Right. So listen to this. Very good. Thank you so much for, for bringing these these thoughts. And I've made several notes. And one thing that jumped out at me when you started reading the scriptures, you know, coming in, serving all day, working all night. And do you think or how would you tie this into the rest that causes the weary to rest? Mm-hmm. I mean, this these little 15 minutes that you laid out there is so deep and there's so much to unpack. That's, that's just one of the many things that, that jumped into my mind as you were talking this stuff through. Well, I, I would offer that, you know, every, everything we, everything in, in scripture is, is you have to bring into balance. Okay. And that, that parable that, that he laid out there, one thing that one of my teachers taught me years ago was that parables are meant to teach one thing. And if, if it's dangerous to extrapolate every fine point in a parable, because Jesus was teaching that parable, Teach one thing. Well, I think, you know, the lesson here is this whole di- idea of I'm a servant. I don't think he was teaching or advocating to us. Now, what I expect you to do is work 23 hours a day and never rest. Um, there is, you know, rest, uh, as you all know, woven into the very essence of creation. Um, you have to rest your body. You have to rest your mind. You have to rest your spirit. Um, and and yes, there is that spiritual rest of the work of the, of the Holy ghost in our lives. This is the rest where we, because we're in refresh, this refresh, he was talking about, you know, with another tongue, I'll speak to my people. And so there is, there is a, an inherent spiritual rest that comes in communion with God, but you can talk in tongues from daylight to dark. And if you don't take time for physical rest, you're still going to be tired and you're going to break down. And so you have to have, you have to have times that you unplug. Um, You have to have moments that you go, you know what? I don't have to be glued to my cell phone every moment. Somehow, believe it or not, I know it is shocking to those of you who are a little younger, but men used to pastor without a cell phone. And somehow, I don't know how, but somehow the folks in their church survived without being able to reach their pastor at every moment of every day. And yes, amazing as it seems, it could sometimes be hours before they heard from him or days. Uh, So I do think we have to perfect the art of unplugging, disconnecting, having unbroken periods of time where we say, you know what, I'm not taking phone calls. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to spend time with my wife, my kids. I'm going to enjoy family time tonight. And unless there's a nuclear strike at the church or somebody is just hit by a charging rhino, I'm not going to take a call. I'm not going to go to the hospital. Uh, it'll keep, it'll keep a few hours and we have to free. I think we have to release ourselves from feeling guilty for that. So there is a rest. Yes. Rest that causes the weary to rest. There is a spiritual rest. We have to have that. If you're not having, if you're not engaged in ongoing communion with God, the flip side is true too. You can sleep 10 hours a night, but if you're never praying, you're going to be weary in a way that, that, that your mattress is not going to fix. So balance in all things. You have to you have to mentally refresh. You have to spiritually refresh. You have to physically refresh. Uh, I'm a big advocate that you got to take a week and get away. 
you know, the vacations with your family are, are key. And, and I'm not saying you have to travel to Europe and spend money you don't have. But, you know, even if that's a staycation and you just turn the phones off or whatever, but you have to have those times. Uh, so I don't think the parable is advocating some kind of masochistic uh, self-harm by, well, I've just got, I've got to work, I've got to work, I'm a servant. Well, the master is wise enough, okay? The master is wise enough to know that, that if he works that servant out in that field behind that plow 20 hours a day, the servant's going to die. And then I don't get anything from him. So our master is a good master. I, you know, again, the danger of taking a parable and, and taking every little fine point and trying to make a doctrine out of it is dangerous because that's not what he's not what he's teaching. So he's not teaching that he's an unkind master, or unjust. He's just teaching this principle that on those occasions when he needs to ask something us, he has the right to, without us expecting an award for for obeying what he says. But he is a wise master, a kind master, and he 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 wants years of service out of you. You know that old thing. I, I hate certain phrases we use. You hear people say, "Well, I'd rather burn out than rust out." Well, either way, you're out. How does that help? You know, it's like that old thing about, you know, he that dies with the most toys wins. Well, yeah, but he still dies. Uh, it doesn't, you know, so, so the thing about, I'd rather burn out than rest. I'd rather just be doing and going. I'd, I'd rather burn out than just sit around and do nothing. Well, I don't want you to sit around and do nothing either. I don't want you to burn out either. Uh, that, that doesn't help any. That doesn't serve the kingdom. That doesn't help anything. So balance, wisdom, um, physical rest, mental rest, spiritual rest, it's it's important. The master does not want to ruin you. He doesn't want to destroy you. He does want to use you, and and that may at times. Now I'm not you know I'm not going to be silly. That's going to mean at times he stretches us beyond where we're comfortable, and that's okay. But he doesn't um, he doesn't do that to harm us, and so weariness of mind discouragement, depression, suicidal thoughts, those don't make us good servants. And if that stuff starts to haunt you or those things start invading in your mind, stop, get some help, be vulnerable enough to go get some help. Um, weariness is dangerous. When you're weary, you're spiritually vulnerable. Things that would not tempt you at other times can tempt you when you're weary. Bone weary. Um, so you have to be wise. You have to be wise. It, it's amazing thing in scripture. Watch this, watch this pattern of scripture. Huge, momentous, victorious moment, followed by spiritual crises. Jonah has a revival in Nineveh that is just unbelievable in its scope. And the next day, God just killed me. Elijah stares down 850 to 1 odds on Mount Carmel. And the next day, there's no, I'm the only one serving you. Daryl Johns actually taught me this when I was a district youth president. He was general youth president. He's, I remember in, in a newsletter he sent out to us that, you know, he said, when, it was in the summer. And he said, when you come out of those youth camps, you be very careful that right after that, you're vulnerable because you come off a high and you're vulnerable. I've always tried to remember that. You know, I'll come out of general conference. I'll be very careful because I'm weary. And, and I've, I've told our youth guys coming out of youth congress, I'd be very careful. It's easy to be discouraged coming out of that. You've worked and worked for a year for this on a, on, that's a macro scale, but on the micro, you push for Sunday, you give it your everything. It's a dangerous position right after that. Get some rest, 
because we make ourselves vulnerable when we when we after we've served. So I guess what the parable doesn't tell us is after he served the sandwich to the master, he did get to eat and go to bed. It's okay to do that. It's okay to do that. So don't abuse yourself and call it servitude. Um, that's probably ego driven. If if I'm so convinced that it can't operate without me, I'm either a really bad leader and haven't haven't developed leaders around me, or I'm just a I'm just an egomaniac that says, I am so important, it can't work without me. Yeah, it can. Yeah, it can. And it will. Because you you just completely burn out and destroy yourself. Church is gonna go on. It's gonna go on without you. So um wisdom, balance, balance, serve, absolutely. But uh, the master is wise enough and wants you to be refreshed and recharged too. Thank you. Very good. Man, there's so much we can talk about there. Absolutely. Such a great, I'm glad you brought that up, Brother Morales, because I'm actually working on a a session entitled Toxic Productivity. And Uh just making sure that we're being successful and being, we're not, you know, it's always great to be busy. It's always great to serve like Brother Graham's talked to us about tonight, but are we, are we, are we, are we being successful? Are we doing what we need to do? Are we, are we taking that time to rest? And, and so uh, I'm actually going to have sister Shirley Booth. She's a licensed counselor here in Mississippi, incredible lady of God, great pastor's wife. And uh, she's going to be doing a session recording with me. And so I'm looking forward to that. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, absolutely. Such a need right now. I just think we're so, we're so driven to, we're so, performance, you know, I gotta, I gotta prove my worth. I've gotta, I've gotta, I've gotta demonstrate to my neighboring pastor that I work as hard as he does, or I don't know. There's, there's so many threads to that. I just know the Bible says when we compare ourselves among ourselves, we're not wise. We're not wise. And so that, 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 that can't get, so that's, that's a, I'm glad you're doing that. That's an important topic. Yes, sir. Just, just, just the beginning, just because it's such a need, such a need. We're seeing it. And actually I did a episode with brother, uh, 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 Maricelli, uh, and talked about his book better after burnout. And so if you haven't seen that episode, I encourage you to go back and watch that as well. Well, I have not seen the episode, but if it at all rivals the book, man, if you haven't read that book, it is fantastic. Absolutely. Just, yeah. Yes, sir. Well, good deal. We'll, we'll open it up one more time to give brother Graham one more opportunity to give any final remarks, but if anyone has any questions for brother Graham, Good, good discussion tonight. Anyone else? And then Sister Maddox? Hi. Related. Are y'all related? <laughs> Not that we know. We're trying to figure it out. <laughs> Somewhere, maybe. <laughs> um, we're Brandon and Samantha Maddox. Um, we, we evangelize out of Oregon. Um, oh, cool. Thank you so much for doing this call. We're so, we feel so privileged just to be here with you all. Yes. Um, but we just had a quick question. Um, we get asked a lot as we travel for resources and things like that. So on this topic, is thinking in the context of creating a culture of servanthood for leadership teams or in the local congregational setting, do you have any recommendations or are there courses or a book that you would recommend? Well, um, you know, there's a there's a famed, and it's, it's so old but I'm sure it's still around. Uh, Charles Swindoll wrote a book years ago called Hand Me Another Brick uh, on the topic of servanthood. And it, it's, it's, a, it's one I read coming right out of Bible school. Uh, it's old, 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 but it's, it's based on Nehemiah and it's on that whole topic of servanthood. I always recommend that to anybody who 
who uh, is is you know nosing around this topic or curious about that. So that's one uh, certainly that comes to mind. Um, let me think here real quick. Um, well, I can't, I'm not going to come up with a title, which is frustrating. Um, if you go to PPH's website and you search for an author whose last name is Alexander, her name is Leanne Alexander, and she wrote a book called, it's, it's something on the order of, we are grasshoppers or the grasshopper syndrome or the, I don't know. I promise you, if you search PPH for grasshoppers, ain't that many books have the word grasshopper in the title. So I think you could probably find it. Uh, but Leah Alexander, who is actually a young lady out of our church, wrote a really worked with her brother and wrote a really good book on um, self-image and how we see ourselves, uh, which plays into this topic, I think. Uh, so that's another, another resource that comes to me that I would at least, um, more than grasshoppers. Somebody looked it up. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Kyle, the dancing fingers. He's so quick. Uh, yeah, more than grasshoppers. That's it. Thank you. I'm embarrassed I couldn't come up with that. But uh, it, it's it's a really good read that uh, I would offer to you as well on that subject. But the classic to me, uh, just the classic old book on servanthood was the one that Swindoll wrote years ago. Thank you so much. Oh, you're kind. Thank you. Awesome. Good question. Anyone else? Awesome. Well, Brother Graham, thank you again. I know it's 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 a sacrifice. You get busy schedule, busy day, I'm sure, and I'm just so appreciative of you coming on tonight. So I would just like you to wrap up tonight with any final remarks. Pray over all of us, and then I'll come back with some closing remarks and a, a, an announcement. Everybody in town knew that the drought had been so bad that if anything caught fire, they were in trouble. Um, we're back in the day of the old horse-drawn fire wagon people would get on either side and pump the handles and you could squirt water maybe five or six feet you know and um but they'd had a horrible drought and everyone knew there was no water supply even to fuel that paltry little wagon and if a building caught fire they were in trouble so one night the uh, clanging of the bell marked everyone's greatest fears little small community they all came running out building was engulfed in flames. It was a uh, family, mother and father, small boy, lived there. Um, parents were killed. And the little boy was in a window upstairs crying for help. Fire was so intense, nobody could, nobody could get in the front door to get up the stairs. Ground floor was engulfed, licking up the outside of the wall. You didn't put a ladder against the wall to get up there. Everyone was kind of just paralyzed nobody knew what to do and um out of the crowd a man rushed up and um, there's a drain pipe guttering thing of course it wasn't aluminum guttering like we have now it was steel pipe coming down the side of the house and he grabbed that pipe and shinnied up that pipe and disappeared into the smoke of the of the upstairs and carried the boy out it was smoke inhalation he's in rough shape but down the pipe, brought the boy down and delivered him to safety. And somehow in the midst of all the chaos and the nighttime, and the noise and the crowd of people, and he just kind of disappeared. And um, boy's an orphan. This is so many years ago. There's no um, 
There's no social safety net. There's no welfare. There's no foster care. There's nothing like that to care for him. So I don't know who he stayed with temporarily, but they finally were going to have a kind of a town meeting to decide who's going to raise this boy. And uh, the magistrate, you know, was conducting it. And people kind of began to make their claim as to why they would be the perfect one to raise him. You know, a farmer, I've got land. It'd be a good, solid profession. He could work outside. He'd enjoy being out on the farm and the animals and the banker. You know, I'm the richest man in town. I can provide him resources that none of you can provide. He'd live in the finest home. He'd see the world and, uh, you know, just one after another. They all had their, they had the teacher, you know, I, I could give him a better education than any of you. I'm more well-read than any of you. I could, and um, anyone else. And for the first time since that night, that man walked forward and uh, he stepped to the front of the room and he didn't say anything. He simply turned toward the crowd and held up his hands. And the scars from the burns that he had climbing that pipe said everything everybody needed to know. So a lot of things that will lay claim to us. Here's why you should serve money or education or whatever. And in the midst of all that noise that tries to vie for our emotions and vie for our allegiance and tries to pull us, you know, toward that, here's this one. And all he does is hold up his hands, show us the scars. If I ever wonder who I should serve, if I ever wonder who I should have my allegiance to, if I ever wonder who I should give everything I have to, I need look no further than the scars and realize he bought me whatever he wants from me after that. That's his call. And I just feel blessed to be his servant. Lord, I pray you'd help us. These are wonderful people that serve your kingdom. And I'm quite sure many and probably all of them are already stretched so thin in life, trying to be spouse and parent and fill a local church role and job and trying to make a living and just all the things that, that call to us and demand of us. And I, I'm not minimizing the, the, the busyness we all feel. But God, I pray you'd help us to keep it all in focus. Before I'm anything else in this life, I'm your servant. That's first. That's paramount. So God, I pray for each of these folks that you'd give them rest so they can serve you well. Give them rest in mind, rest in body, so that they can be effective servants for you. And I just pray, Lord, you'd help us to kind of keep it all in perspective. You are a master. You reign over our lives. You order our steps. And we've got nothing to complain about. You've been nothing but good to us. You purchased me at a price that was so far more than I was worth. And when I see those scars, then I, I know to whom I want to be committed and who I want to be loyal to. Help us, Jesus. Bless these folks in their kingdom service. Bless them as they give themselves to you. Help us to keep our attitude and perspective clean and right. We are servants of God, and we're blessed by that. In Jesus' name, amen.